Welcome everybody to another episode of the Back to the Office podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Feltz, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Back to the Office, the show where we journey back to Slough's premier paper merchants, Wernham Hog, where life is stationary. Now, Chris, here we are. We're at the second Christmas special, but this is our last TV episode that we're going to cover. It is, Dave, and I'll be honest with you, it's got. I've had all sorts of emotions today watching this. I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay it on the line towards the end of the episode. But yeah, it's a bit of a. I know we've got life on the road to go, Dave. But it just feels like these are. We're coming towards this little chapter in our podcasting life because this is a big thing for me and you because a lot of our friendship was built on the office, wasn't it, Ricky Gervais? That's how we 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 always say it, but that's how. We, we realised we had so much in common, not just being in a band and stuff like that. It was always the reference to this show. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a bittersweet, I think. Yeah, and even when we're not recording, even even when we're not kind of going through a particular episode or whatever, we do generally throw the memes back and forth, throw the quotes, and, and there's just so <laughs> many that you can just draw out and bring into everyday situations, aren't there? So it's just <laughs> just absolutely brilliant. And i got to tell you, Chris, I had so much fun going back and editing that last episode and especially putting in that fucking If You Don't Know Me By Now <laughs> song right oh, at the God. end. I must have watched that upwards of 10 times, I think, this last week. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. What, what, it's just, it's the fact that even though it's 17, 18 years old, it still just feels so fresh, Dave. Even watching part two today, like, it's just so fresh in in the zeitgeist. It's it's there. doesn't matter that they all weren't attached to mobile phones and now we get a little thing with Lee later on and Dawn in the shopping centre. But I just think that, I can relate to it so much and I don't spend my time, I've said it before, as much in an office. I'm probably two or three hours a day and then I'm out on the road or whatever or I'm working from home. Life on so the I don't road. Have that, <laughs> life on the road, Dave, yeah. <laughs> I'm not having Ginsters and stuff like Alan Partridge and that, but it is, it's, it's strange because I just think that it's so brilliant and I want to talk about little things I noticed on this episode today that I've never noticed before. And I honestly think, Dave... I've only ever seen this maybe three or four times. I know I bang on that I'm a massive Office fan, but the Christmas specials are the ones I've watched the least, whereas the series, because I've got them on DVD, they've just been on a, you know, a loop, a loop, a loop. And then, yeah, uh, like yeah, I say, yeah. some, of, some of it gets interwoven. I said it in part one, the Christmas specials, where I thought that they were part of the series and they're not, they're part of the Christmas specials. So, yeah, it's been a great experience going back. Because I honestly think... That this second part for me is a masterpiece of an episode. Oh, they, I mean, both of them are so good. And I'm with you. I've watched the Christmas specials a lot less. And I think that's because I had the first two seasons on uh, like video at the time. And then I have got them on DVD, but I've not kind of gone through end to end. And I'm trying to think now, even on Netflix, when it was on Netflix, I'm not sure they had the Christmas specials on there at that time but obviously they're on i've got the dvd now and i've obviously they're on iplayer as well so I, maybe that's it it's just accessibility yeah i think so. i don't think they were dave i could be wrong someone will correct us maybe but i don't think they were on netflix i'm pretty sure it was the first two series 
but I do uh, I, I do agree with you. I really, really like this episode. Um, and I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you for what your story is, because I know you won't have fucking thought of one. <laughs> I've got one. Oh, I've got have one. You? I have got... Yeah, but... Really? I'm... Yes, I've got one. I'm, I'm appre- <laughs> you cheeky bastard, right? I do, um, I'm apprehensive. <laughs> I'm apprehensive because I don't know whether I've told it on these podcasts and I don't want to regurgitate a story that I think I may have told Dave. So you'll have to see, you'll have to guide me on this whether I've told it because I don't want to do it and then I can tell it completely wrong. But did I tell you about the blind date story when I was about 17? I don't think at Manchester so. Airport. Right, okay, so I'm sure I've told this on a podcast. So if I've told it on any of these episodes, I apologise. But here's my story, Dave, very much in the David Brent mould. So I started work at Manchester Airport. I'd left school in 95 and I did a year at college. I got my electrical engineering qualifications, MVQs, wanted to be a sparky, stroke fireman. And you had to sort of get in a company, you had to do all these tests and everything. So I got in at the airport and I was a year older. So there was the year, my brother's a year below, one of my brothers a year below me. His class finished school and I ended up sort of getting a job at Manchester Airport. I went as a YTS, must be an apprentice, and they ended up putting me in the wrong tests and I ended up doing like an admin test and everything. Got like the, the, the on computers because I love computers that even back then. And I got like one of the highest scores, 120 people. I got in like the top 10, 15. So they sent you for an interview. So I think I'm going for a YTS engineering thing, which I tried when I was at school. Gets this admin job, basically. I had to do MVQs in admin and all that. But I was always in the back of my head, I am going to move to be either a fireman within the airport or I'm going to be an electrical engineer. So we, we end up... The Christmas do at Manchester Airport was always at United's ground. Perfect oh. for me. I live 10 minutes of walk away. Um, there was a couple of the other YTS girls in that who were like, they were 16, I was 17, and I didn't have a date. And one of the girls, she went out of a professional boxer, she said, my best friend, she's from Partington, she went, my best friend, um, she'd come, I'll set you up on a date. So I was like, okay. So because I was a year older day, I was a little bit of the hip one, you know, like we went out and that, and I was sort of seeing as the lads were like, yeah, you're, you're, you're harder than us. How old was she like, again? Oh. Fuck off, Dave. Right. She was 16 because she was in college. Um, Young because... girl, get out of my mind. <laughs> danger, danger. My love for you danger, is stranger. way out of line. <laughs> now then, now then. But anyway, <laughs> so, you better fuck off, Dave. I'm, I'm telling you, she was 16 because she was a year below me. So in the September... At December 1996, it was, we were at the airport. What this works do? Manchester, uh, Man United's ground, Atlantic Suite. And she said, I'm going to set you up. She's, oh, she's amazing. What a girl. Oh, she's, she's so beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. And she turns up, Dave. And this is going to sound awful, but I pretty much did a Brent. I pretty <laughs> much did a... <laughs> Holy fuck, you've done me here. Now, I'm not saying I'm no oil painting, because I'm not. I'm not saying that and being like a narcissist or, or thing. But at 17, you you know what I mean? You know what you like, Dave. You know, I'm 6'2". I always like the, as you used to call them, pocket rockets. I, it was just my thing. I always like girls who were smaller and everything, like 5'2", five 5'3", five whatever. It, and this girl was about 5'8", five 5'9". Five not my type at all. That's all I'm going to say, right? So as the night goes on, get more and more, you know, drinks are flowing. They've got this competition on to go to New uh, Chicago. You know me, always wanted to go to America, never been at that point. My family could never afford that. 
gets in the raffle and I get down to, it did like a bit of a competition and I got down to the last three people. Roll her up, Dave. Roll her <laughs> up prize. A massive, big fuck off box of chocolates. And I took them and I thought, I'm taking them on to my mum. Oh no, Dave. The fucking compare has seen me dancing on the dance floor. Uh, oh, God. I hope you're going to give them to your girlfriend. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, these are for me, mum. Oh, that's terrible. And this room of people are like, like not boo-boo, but you know, like, oh, you bastard. I'm thinking, I don't even like the girl. I've only just met her and I'm giving you this big fuck off fauntons, maybe a 30 pound box of chocolates. They were huge, day, like two or three foot long. And uh, <laughs> I had to sort of begrudgingly give him her. And then she gave me this pathetic peck on the cheek, Dave. And then it, it was awful. It was one of the worst experiences ever. And I, I never liked that girl ever since because I thought, my poor mother has not got them chocolates. You know what I mean? She deserved them. And I've given them away to a fucking blind date because everyone made me feel guilty. And I didn't win the trip <laughs> to Chicago. So I did have, that's my Brent moment, Dave. I'm not proud of it, but there you go. Well, I, I sort of wish I'd have gone first now. <laughs> <laughs> so in more recent years, Chris, life's been a bit more colourful. So obviously, you know, uh, went through a divorce and everything. And then, you know, we were too young, weren't we? We didn't... Th there were no dating apps. And actually, going back to this, I do remember a mate of mine who was always fucking on... The, I, th I think it was Love at Lycos <laughs> at work. And he was always going through these profiles. But I was already coupled up at that point. But so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, good luck to you, mate. And uh, <laughs> so, so you know, post-divorce, though, it's like, well, fucking hell, this Tinder stuff must be brilliant, mustn't it? It must be fucking fantastic. Just, you know, you swipe right. The person who sees you swipes right as well. Hey, presto, you like each other. Bada bing, quid's in. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> there is a talent to taking photographs, I think. <laughs> now, in this episode, you know, it was a genuine, the pair of them, Brent and the girl he met, had clearly uh, been manipulating, you know, taking photographs from like 20 years ago or something. This was a more recent photograph, but it was it was very close up and at a certain angle. And... Um, so, you know, this is in pandemic times. This, this is early in the pandemic. So, you know, how else are you going to fucking meet someone? You can't go to a pub and just start chatting over someone when you've got the plague, can you? So, anyway, it arranges to meet this uh, this lady at a pub. And um, I'm sort of stood there. This is this is not long after. The pubs have reopened, actually, Chris. They were, they were shut for a while, weren't they? And, yeah. Uh, sort of stood there outside the pub thinking... I wonder what this new pub experience is going to be like when, uh, you know, there's all social distancing and stuff. And I turned around, and I, 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 there's no good way to put this, Chris, but someone who is twice the size of you is not a good match for you. And so, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, I, I did the... If there was a camera there, I turned around to it and just gave a, oh, for fuck's sake... And you kind of have to, you have to go through the date, Chris. You have to grin and bear it. You have to go through it. Um, but yeah, needless to say, there wasn't a second date. <laughs> so oh, I realise realize this makes me sound like a horrible human being. But let's face it, you'd all fucking do the same. 
<laughs> you know what? And that's the thing, isn't it? Because like, as you get older, you try and be a better person, don't you? And when I look back on stuff like that, I'm like, fucking hell. I mean, it, the girl was pretty nasty to me, Dave, to be honest. And that's why I didn't even want to give her the chocolates. But I totally understand it. You've, you've, you've got your... And there's a quite a good reference to your story at the end of this fucking episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. Makes us sound like a right pair of bastards, but we're not. Trust me, we're not. (laughs) Well, yours is more forgivable, I think, because yours was like you were fucking 17 and apparently she was 16. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Come on, come on, yeah. (laughs) She didn't want to be my gang, Dave, anyway. but (laughs) Mine was in more recent times when things should get easier. Remember that when you thought, oh, it'd be easy when I'm older, I'd be less awkward and everything. No, Chris, it's still a fucking minefield. But anyway, I love this opening, Chris, where you've got Gareth. He seems a bit less snipey, actually, this episode uh, as the first one, but he's going through the profiles for uh, David and, you know, he's very much uh, looking forward to it. He's obviously paid a lot of money for this site and he gets so many introductions. What, What do you reckon to the opening? I love it because it feels like the series that the the first parks. Obviously, these are, these were when these filmed a year apart, Dave, as well. So so they, they weren't. Oh, they filmed pretty close together. I can't remember. The Christmas specials were filmed together, weren't they? I think. Oh right, okay. I wasn't sure what it was like a fills and horses thing. I can't remember like how quickly we're together, but. I think it felt like the series. So it starts with David and, you know, he's sat there. I know he's not at his desk. Gareth is. He's sat on the other side. The dynamic still works. And they're going through the profiles and I'm fucking crying. And and obviously when anything's mentioned in this show, David Brent tries everything he can not to be racist but ends up being racist, doesn't he? You know, like they're talking yeah. about, I've got, <laughs> I've got, as you say, we've got a few black women and it's like, Right, yeah, and then he's looking at the cameras, you know, like because Gareth's so, sort of saying is something like, like they've, they've sent three, and he goes, "Oh, that is a lot, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, 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 it's stuff the- like that, and it's so, <laughs> it's so wrong. And then he's, and then he's like, he pick, Gareth picks one who's obviously got a, a set of uh, lungs on her, shall we say? And he's like, "Oh, and she's got to have brains," and it's just like nothing changes for him. And what I will say, Dave, is when you're doing this. And Neil comes in. I don't like Neil at all in these two Christmas specials. I think he's a lovely guy in the, in the two series. But I think he's very clever the way they've made him. Because he doesn't like David, they were competing. He's now this regional boss. He's where Jennifer was. And he's like in her position. It feels as if just subtly they've made him into a proper boss, like he's believed the hype. You know, you get people who get in a position and all of a sudden they go from being really nice to being just an arse. And they, and they, they start thinking that because they're in a, I always have this, this is me getting on my soapbox there. This is like, um, and that's what I'm like in work. If if someone starts getting above the station with me when they move up, well, that's it. They're on my radar to be shot down. And I always say to them, mm. just remember where you come from. I, I'm terrible for doing that because I hate that. When people seem to think that a position defines them as better than you. And that's what it feels like with Neil. I think it's so subtle and the actor's so good at what he does because he just does not like David. He's so disruptive. He's like comes in there and he's fucking there doing dating with the manager. But what's weird, in these two Christmas specials, Neil never really speaks to Gareth. Even though he's in David's mm. position, we don't get 
the interaction. I don't even think he speaks to him directly like like he did with David. You know, when he was sniping at yeah, David yeah, all yeah. the time. He's always still at David's. So he's still got that dynamic. So I found that really interesting watching this second one. Um, quite a lot of choice, which is good. Um, and uh, I get three free introductions uh, for the money I've already paid. Um, I've already chosen one, actually, and I'll take a note to lunch a little bit later today. So I've just got to choose two more. And I just hook up with them, see how it goes. What's the worst that can happen? You could get one pregnant. I'm not going to get one pregnant, am I? Do you mind black ones? No, all equal. Because they've sent you three of them. So that is a lot, isn't it? Uh, shall I put them all on the S pile, or just one to show you're not prejudiced? Just, well, which one, though? That one's smiling. Friendliest. <laughs> Look at that. 41. Looks 30. Look at those. Yes, Pyle? Yeah, if she's got a good personality. Mind you, though, it says it's a recent photo. How can you be sure, though? That could have been taken when she was 30. I think they should have to have a picture taken with a copy of today's newspaper. Mm. So. Alright. Hiya. Are you okay? Yeah. Busy? Yeah. I just don't know, because David's been such a dick, hasn't he, to Neil, for such a long time. And, like, he's hanging around the office still. Neil's told him in the last episode, stop hanging around and disturbing people. <laughs> he sued the fucking company. I think Neil's borderline a fucking saint for just putting up with him being there. But what I would say is he does kind of, especially when he's around Finchy, he kind of wants to twist the knife a bit with David. So yes. it's not as if he's just saying, look... You've sued the company, fucking get out. With the whole bring your partner, you know, bring a plus one along to the Christmas party, he's, he's sort of calling him out, isn't he? And he, he wants to see him fail kind of thing. He wants, like Jay from the Inbetweeners, when Will's trying to, like, call him out for his bullshit. I think that's what Neil's doing. But yeah, considering what David's done, and we love him, of course we do, but fucking hell, Chris, if you work with him and he behaved like that towards you... I think you'd struggle. Yeah, look, you you are right. I know that. You know, I'm in charge of people every day, Dave, and it's like a fucking juggling act. You are a politician all the time, no matter what happens. He said this, they've done that, whatever. Mm. It just, it, unfortunately, it's a juggling act that you've gone through. We all go through every day. If you're if you're in charge of people, unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. But yeah, I can see that perspective. I can. I just I felt that because we were coming towards the end of it. I just, everywhere in this episode, it's just Ricky Gervais being David, just just ramped up to the, like, like the last hurrah. Because at this point, we don't know he's going to do another life on the road or whatever. I just think it's brilliant. And I think, like, when Gareth comes out and he trying to do this announcement about Dawn, you know, we've got Dawn Tinsley's back and he looks at him and goes, yeah, that's fiance, with a fiancé, can you keep your thoughts to yourself? And the fucking room just is like a pin and poor Tim is just sat there fucking curling into a fucking, like someone's threw salt on a slug. And then that Anne goes, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I understand. The number of infatuations I've had from blokes, it's unbelievable. They just want me and they can't have me. And I'm just like, what brilliant writing. <laughs> Tim's response is brilliant. I can't remember exactly what his words were, but it's, it was something like, well, I'm racking my brains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she didn't pick up on that, did she? <laughs> so that was a little bit of the old Tim, wasn't it? You know, we see a bit more of the old Tim later when Dawn actually does come. But uh, Chris, this... 
I, I've said to you the, the first, and this goes back to our episode one, I'm sure. So again, apologies for repeating myself. When I first saw The Office, it was so buttock-clenchingly embarrassing. I, I really struggled with it initially. But then when I got it, I was just I just fell in love with it. But sometimes, you know, the cringe factor just ramps up another notch and you feel that uncomfortable cringe again. Chris, with this first date with this woman. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so, so good. Because it starts fairly well. They're in a nice restaurant. They sit down. And it all starts to go south when he starts talking about the necklace. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it symbolises? He impressed. He's like, what? And he went, it's so we all said, we all draw attention. To the <laughs> draw <press>. attention. Yeah. <laughs> we all try and draw attention. It's, it's subliminal messages, like signals we give off. And she's like, this is my dead mother's fucking. Uh, we're trying, and then he's like, can we not talk about my dead mother's breasts? And David looks at the thing and goes, hmm. Pate, you know, yeah, to say, oh shit, dog pate, <laughs> and everything, and, and he and he says, look, and all of a sudden he goes, look, I wasn't trying to be lewd. We all just give signals off, and she's like, I'm not giving any signals off. And what got me, and I, I did like the old classic day, but I did spit my cup of tea out. Was when he said, do you know why men are attracted to cleavage? And she's like, no, no, he goes because it reminds him of buttocks. It must be fun doing you from behind. And I'm just like, oh my god. Have you heard that before, though? Because I've heard <laughs> never. that before. No? I've never, never, ever heard someone, that, no. I, I, but I might be on this fucking show. I don't, I don't think it is. I think someone's told me that in the past. But um, again, he's like a little kid, isn't he? He just can't help himself. Because it, it goes from a, a cringe factor of, let's say, 5 out of 10 to 6, to 7, to 8, to 9, to 10. Because when he gets to, like, you know, when you just think you can't take it anymore, she's already foregone the starters. She just wants to get straight to the main and fucking get out of there. And he's, like, going on about the buttocks. And it's like, because, you know, it's when the cavemen and we were doing you from behind. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's... Fucking horrendous, isn't it? He's brilliant. And then he's like, do you want to start? And she went, nope, can we go straight to the main? And he's sort of like, yeah, that's all over. You know, she's an attractive lady as well. It just, David, it's like Del Boy, you know, the way he is. Like, I remember the, the dates, one of my favourite Phil's and Orsi's one, where he meets Raquel and, and he goes to the train station and she and he, he gets uh, approached by a prostitute. And he's like, uh, he's like, no. And she tells him basically to F off. But then, then Raquel turns up and he's like, look, love, one of your friends has just been here. You better get on your toes if I were you because the police are there. But then when they go for the date and he's like, he's faked his name and, and, and he's awkward mixing that, which is all comedy. I know it's a different sort of comedy, but with this, Dave, I'm just out there going, oh, God, David, <laughs> please shut up. But that's like the tone for his whole dating experience, isn't it? And he's got to ramp it up because of this Christmas do, yeah. which... Is ridiculous because I don't know many people who go to their old companies for Works Tuesday. We said it in the last episode. I just think we went out a few weeks ago, the lads who got made redundant or took redundancy earlier this year, sadly. And it was great. Everyone was together. There was about 20 of us. There was probably about 13 who were still there, about seven who turned up, and it was great. Um, but it's not something you would normally do. If you've got a Works do, they're not going to invite people who've left. It's very rare mm. you would do that. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. See what's on offer. 
Nice. No, your necklace. I wasn't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. I don't think so. Although, funnily enough, the reason women wear necklaces is to draw attention to the breasts. I don't. No, I mean subconsciously. Sort of no, I don't. I wear this because my mother gave it to me before she died. Yeah, well, I mean, she probably wore it to draw attention to hers, but I mean... Still. Sorry, can we not talk about my dead mother's breasts? Yeah. I just find that brilliant the way they do this in this episode. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not realistic, is it? But it just brings all of our favourite characters back together, doesn't it? And I think the thing is, all the way through the first season and the second season, I say that like it's an American-sized season. We're only talking like 12 episodes, aren't we? But essentially, and especially when we get to Tim and Dawn, you know, it's the will they, won't they? And we sort of, the, the office, they've taught us to have low expectations. So just when you think something's building up to something good, it just gives you a square fucking kick in the balls. <laughs> and then, yeah. Like, so I think what this Christmas special does is it subverts that. And they, they'd subverted the rom-com, hadn't they? initially by you know just making everything go badly at the end you know there was no happy ending for fucking anyone really and then they've subverted the subversion if you like that makes sense a double subversion so yeah yeah, I, i just i love that about this i love the fact that it is just tying a bow on it all I know yeah. we're going to cover the the movie, but obviously that's just David himself. It's not The Office. It's not the whole cast of characters that we've grown to love. And um, I, I guess we, you know, in that first Christmas special, it intentionally finished on a downer, didn't it? You know, you had David yeah. in his beer-soaked, ripped Austin Powers gear, and he, he was looking like quite a sad character. But then you do start to get some payoff here. And I've got to say, when Dawn's driving up to the office, the background, that fucking industrial estate, (laughs) it just seems (laughs) so depressing wherever they've shot that. Um, But when they get, when she gets to the office, because on the way there, you know, she's being filmed and saying about the whole illustrator thing and, you know, seems like it's very unlikely to ever happen unless you know someone walks out of thin air and offers offers her that job but it's so awkward initially when uh she comes back into the office and like everyone's surrounding her and but tim's kind of hanging back a bit initially isn't he but you can still see that kind of uh, you know there's still something there even though it was a couple of years ago yeah it's brilliant I, I'll, I'll honestly for me once this bit happened, it fa- I was I was smiling from ear to ear when Dawn turns up and she comes in and everyone's talking and you and you and you know and obviously like I say I I, I can't remember it beat for it beat this episode but I'm sat I'm thinking God yeah I remember it was dead awkward and all she does is an eye roll to Tim as if to say help me and then mm. Tim just steps and goes let's go and see Gareth and I love when they go in the office and she says to Gareth and he, he's, he, he says something like, how are you, babes, or something? And she's like, 
Hiya, darling. Or something like that. And it's when he, he starts saying, yeah, uh, look, Dawn, and he gets dead closer. You know, I could give you your job back. You know, you tried to be an artist, but you know spring chicken and all that. And yeah. Dawn sat there. And he's just... And, and then it pans to David talking to that Jillian on the fucking phone. And she's talking. <laughs> he went, you might recognise me. And she went, I'm off the BBC documentary. She went, oh, you're not that awful bo- boss. What's your name? What's your name? And then he looks, he goes, uh, uh, hang on a minute. Hang on. And he cuts it up and he's like, oh, too many questions. GBH of the ears. I was fucking... <laughs> Pissing myself, <laughs> Dave. It was brilliant. Fucking thing with motion with his hand as well. Like, oh, so many questions. Oh, it was yeah. so good. Oh, it's so good. And when when you've got, then it goes back to Gareth, Tim and Dawn. And, and he's like, are you still in the TA, Gareth? And he went, yeah, yeah. So he goes, so an enemy soldier, you know, would you search him like a full body search? What if you had something hard? Have you got a big <laughs> Has he got a big weapon? Does he like to come up the rear? <laughs> and I just felt that the chemistry was there, like the first series and that. You know, the, like you say, the first Christmas special is quite depressing. It was almost an Empire Strikes Back sort of thing where mm. you, you get that payoff of the baddies. Not the baddies, no real baddies, but you know, like the sort of the down a bit, like you're doing Empire Strikes Back at the end with Han Solo and they all get captured. And if it's spoilers, by the way, guys, it is nearly 40 years old, but uh, it's uh, spoilers for Empire spoilers Strikes Back. Fucking, I know. Fucking, <laughs> you're lucky if you've managed to navigate 24 hours without a spoiler now. Oh, or t- or fucking two hours, hell. Chris. Two oh, hours, probably, yeah. Probably less than two hours, wasn't it? Oh, let's, yeah. So. <sighs> Dave, yeah, we have, that, that, you're right about spoilers. So, you know, there is a show on Marvel and it came out at 8 a.m. And by 9 a.m., somebody had fucking spoiled it, Dave, and I've still not seen no, that episode. No, 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 you, You're skipping out a big chunk there. <laughs> oh, out, yeah, right. <laughs> came out at 8 a.m. and I watched it. I was all over this stuff. So as soon as it dropped on Disney+, Plus, oh, yeah. play you go. Gets to about half past eight because it, it says 40 minutes, but there's about 10 minutes of credit, so it's about half an hour. There's a big reveal at the end. As soon as that big reveal comes, I'm excited and I'm thinking Chris is going to go fucking nuts for this thing. Shit, he's going to go on Twitter, he's going to see a spoiler. There's no way people aren't <laughs> going to spoil this. So I messaged Chris diligently. I said, Chris, whatever you do, before you watch. Uh, don't go on social media before you watch Hawkeye. Must Dory, have been, must have been <laughs> a solid ten minutes, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and I get some message. For fuck's sake, it's on Twitter. <laughs> and you're like, I did warn you, and I'm just like, oh fuck off, Dave. You're right, and I, I did adore Nanny Nemo, and I just lost my fucking memory. I literally was like, great idea, actually. I'll not go on fucking Twitter. Went upstairs, got changed, and went straight on Twitter, and that's the first thing I saw. And I was like, it is his fault who revealed it, and then, but then I'm like. Actually, it's also my fault for fucking not listening to Dave yet again. <laughs> I would have saved myself the heartache. So, yeah, you done me. And I was sat there thinking, and, and even I was chuckling to myself yesterday, Dave, because I was getting me tattooed on when I was wasn't crying, and I just started chuckling, going, "Yeah, Dave was fucking right. There, what a dick I am." So, uh, it's my fault as well. But anyway, you you with it? You're right on that, Dave. Brilliant. That, it was brilliant because I just kept thinking, Finding Nemo. What an idiot. <laughs> 
I am absolute <laughs> idiot. And you were even it's surprised by that revelation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't even fucking uh, thinking at all. But getting back to this, so so the next interaction is Dawn meets Anne, doesn't she? And then you've got that. She's telling that shit story about that Mel that oh, Paul God, came so in. Boring. It's so shit. And she's like, <laughs> "Oh, you won't believe this." And he come in and went, "Oh, have you done something to your hair, Dawn?" And I was like, "Oh, that's not even Dawn, Paul." And I was like, "That is the worst fucking story I've ever heard." And she didn't know the guy. I think she's brilliant in this. Is actress mm. Dave because she's so unlikable. Yeah, like you're saying, just so dull, so wrapped up in herself. And uh, again, I, I do like, you can see Martin Freeman's doing a great job here. I mean, again, we agree he's a bit shit in Black Panther because he's basically Tim from The Office. Martin Freeman is Tim from The Office and he is so damn charming as Tim from The Office. And him and Lucy Davis together do just seem to have this fantastic chemistry together. Just all the body language as well as like, all the dialogue and stuff. So as shit as Anne's story is, it's just great that you know to see Tim and Dawn just having a laugh again. It is. You're so right. And I tell you what, Dave, fucking Keith comes over. Has to go and say, "Oh, are you coming to the works too?" Like he does in his boring monotone voice. <laughs> She's like, "Yeah. Oh, we'll have a good old chat then." And then oh, Tim kisses <laughs> and Tim sort of kisses her, and he looks at Tim, and then walks off. And Keith, the guy who plays Keith, he's he's brilliant. He's deadpan. He's excellent. Did you not feel like I felt like Keith looked at uh, uh, Tim as a bit of a rival there? Yes, yes, yes. I kept thinking, is there some dialogue that you wanted to steam yeah. in there? But there isn't. I think I think that may have been played, but they cut it, Dave, because it does feel like that. But we've never had any suggestion of that before, have we? We've seen Keith have some awkward dialogue with her before, um, <laughs> you know, about <laughs> fucking fanny packs. <laughs> keep your travelers checks safe but you know oh no nothing God. beyond that so it took me by surprise i'd forgotten about that bit and i thought oh what, what was that little look so yeah I, it did yeah. seem to be a little bit of a love rival thing oh definitely and what and the next scene dave is one of the most memeable scenes <laughs> ever 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 in any tv show david straight to the pub Starts talking to the camera about the girl he's going to meet with the white chiffon scarf. And we get the classic line. Yeah, I spoke to her on the phone. She seemed quite nice. So, uh, a bit sick, really. Not nerves. Um, excitement, really. Not sexual, you know. But, um, she said to be wearing a white chiffon scarf to help me spot her. So, um, oh, for fuck's sake. David? Huh? Yep. Yeah. Hiya. Susan? Yeah, yeah. Can I get you a drink? No, I get one. Have you got one? Got you go and sit down, I'll get one. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. He's <laughs> just so perfectly <laughs> delivered, isn't it? Because he's talking, he's all excited, he's going into the pub, he's turning around, he's facing the camera, and he's got his back, and then he, he fucking turns around to see her. And again, it's like I was saying last week, where he kind of, he doesn't say the whole line. It's like almost that under-the-breath thing. I said, oh, for fuck's sake. You know, so uh, just perfect timing. Absolutely. If they 
tried to do that again a thousand times, they would not improve upon the timing that they've got there. No, it's, it's legendary. And one thing I forgot before I talk about this is when he's talking about the dating at the start and he went, they should have a picture of the, today's paper because it's not the right oh, pictures. God, yeah. Fucking what a line that was. And because what I'm bringing segue that in is because when he gets off this date, he actually says he should fucking report to the Trades Description Act. I want my money back because this is the picture she's shown. And then he's like, he went, oh, it's not going to happen again. I don't want to do this again. And then she turns up and she's like, he went, are you talking about me? And he went, could you hear me? She went, no. He went, no, no, no. And she's like, do you want to do it again? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was uh, like, yeah, with yeah. you? Yeah, no, yeah, with no, you. I don't think so. Dave, it is one of the best scenes ever he's been done up like a kipper but also then she says he says but what do you think she went no he just didn't do he just didn't do much for me to be honest and then pulls out that fucking sexy fucking pose <laughs> to his music video fucking brilliant that was on par with the if you don't know me by now isn't it you know he, he, he just oh what, what were the guys who used to work the mirage with the white tigers siegfried and roy Royd, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he looked like a, a pose that he could be on there, didn't he? But so, um, oh, no, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. So they both, I mean, the picture of her was like clearly from the 80s or something. Um, but like you ace. say, his, his wasn't much better. No, it wasn't. And then we get the secret Santa. So it's all like Gareth's like, you know, £10 voucher and they're taking the piss. And again, oh, this is a dick. little placeholder. I know what, this is the placeholder for like the, the episode in it the little breadcrumb that's going to come back to get the payoff in the bit so he is a dick dave and i've seen that there's a guy i work with i'm not lying to you he got offended because someone got him something like it was something that like he would use and he got offended because they didn't spend enough on him and it's oh, like i know that's you know when you say like we used to say it was a fiver so if it was me i'd go and get five things from the pound shop like mm. nose hair clippers fucking, you know, like a spray on for a ball patch or something like that. You know, just stupid things like you'd whatever. You just do stupid things. That's the whole point. And people do it to me and you see it as a joke. This guy was like, that was only £3.50 and proper got offended. And I'm like, that's not the point of Secret Santa at all. You're not getting the Secret Santa. Um, yeah, he <laughs> just did. he's weird. Fucking... The, the, you know, short changed by £1.50. Can you imagine how many times he's recounted that story to his close friends? And he's fucking, he's got, he's got a burning, seething, fucking impotent rage that he's short changed out of his secret Santa present. Fucking oh, <laughs> £1.50. <laughs> Honestly, and he'll tell you about like his mother-in-law and he'll go, oh yeah, well, because he'd be like, it's a rival with his wife's sister. who's absolutely wadded his wife's sister. And he'll talk about the fact that the mother-in-law's bought them a £30 bottle of champagne, but bought them something for £40 or something. And they actually go online and check the pricing when they get the thing. Oh and I'm like, my God. You need to get a fucking life and just accept the gift for what it is. It's a gift of kindness. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. I just, I don't get it. Obviously, yeah. if you buy buy them a fucking Ferrari and you end up with a mini Metro, then you can have a word. But when you're talking fucking a couple of quid, I don't think that goes in people's minds that I'm going to pay more for that present than yours. That would just be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't be doing with people like that. But, um, but uh, I was going to say, Tim, then. 
But Chris, we get into the uh, back into the break room, don't we? And Easy. Keith is dishing out some advice to Tim, saying, "You know, you thinking about Dawn?" It's the third time you've had a crack at her, he says, doesn't it? The third time you've asked her out and she said no, and it seems like it's ancient history. But you know what I love, Dave? The dynamic, because Keith's a big bloke and Tim's almost sort of swallowed up in the scene, isn't he? Because he's such an imposing guy, Keith. He must be 6'4", 6'5". And then Tim's just sat there trying to have his dinner, isn't he? And Keith's just like talking out completely monotone voice. And then it flicks to Dawn and Lee and Lee's on his phone which is quite current even now. Mm. Obviously, it's an old shitty phone and he's, he's knocking her down and he's like, oh yeah, we don't do Christmas. But all it's just tell her to do is go with my wallet and all this, you know, and she's like, oh, I can even rack it, um, wrap it up. But then it goes back to fucking Keith and he's talking about, you know, you're going to nail Dawn for a third time and then does the finger in a hole thing. Oh, God, oh yeah. Dave, <laughs> fucking hell. It's un fucking believable but then Keith and then Tim's like alright then yeah so so what, what you're saying then what you know you what what you're like thinking he's like well he said you know if I'm going to tend I'm going to guarantee him an orgasm as oh, he eats his scotch God, egg yeah yeah fucking brilliant <laughs> fucking scotch egg and he's truly <laughs> fucking convinced and he's like some fucking Don or something <laughs> he's he's fucking Dirk Diggler isn't he so <laughs> I guaranteed him an orgasm I mean that's Fucking help me on that one, Dave. Fucking <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> You can just see, though, in Tim's face, he's like, oh, fucking start bullshitting me. Someone, please fucking end this right now. But yeah, another brilliant moment for Keith. And by oh. Christ, I wonder how many Scotch eggs he's got through in this whole, know. you know, this first couple of seasons and this these two episodes. Because there is outtakes of him laughing, isn't there, in some of these scenes? So, like you say, I'm sure he's done a few. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you, what you were saying earlier, Chris, about um, Neil being a bit of a bellend, I think if you've got a case, it's this next bit, isn't it? So he pulls David into his office, and he's basically reading him the riot act, isn't he? He doesn't like the fact that he keeps turning up there. Um and yeah, I just think he's got his dog, Annie. <laughs> so basically, tells oh, him to Nelson. Bugger off. Yeah, 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 he tells her. I, I did love the bit where Neil said, "Can I have a word with you," and he, and he looks at the dog and went, "He can't understand you," you know. <laughs> but he meant the people around him. But he does. He bars him then. And then, but what's worst is fucking uh, David goes into the office it's like he's just fingered the regime of bad, you know, and all this. And he's like, "I want to go. Do you want to go for a drink tonight?" Mm. No one answered tomorrow. And then eventually that Anne lays into him. She went, no one wants to go for a meeting with you. No one wants to go. And then Tim went, I'll go for a drink with you, David. I'll come with you tomorrow. You know what I mean? And then and then he looks at Neil and went, he's just taking out an animals as he fucks off with his dog, Dave. It is comedy <laughs> gold. And I had an argument with someone on Facebook. I think I said this to you on the last episode, and it's still going. It's, it, for some reason, I mean, on this office page, but there's some the Americans are just laying into Ricky Gervais, and some of them are that ridiculous that they don't even realise who created the office. You know what I mean? They're saying Steve Carell's better than Ricky Gervais. I'm not saying it isn't. I've never what? watched the series. I, yeah, I know uh, a couple of my friends are going through it now, and they said it is brilliant, but it's a different type of humour. American people do not get, very rarely get, the UK humour. For us, for me, 
my humour. I love like the friends and things like that, but this is a different humour. This is an yeah. awkward humour and it's something I can relate to, you can relate to. And most people love the office, have worked in offices because they understand the politics, the ridiculous bullshit to that in 2021, 17 years after this actually aired, is still relevant. I said at the top of the show and I get it and I'm still going with these people like, no, you're wrong. And I said, I don't get, I don't get stuff like Saturday Night Live. I think it's absolutely shit. It's just a platform for people to just sort of, it used to be good when you had Dan, Dan Aykroyd and all that, Eddie Murphy years ago, people like that. Mm. But it's not good now. It's shit now, but America absolutely swallow it up and think it's amazing. It's like it, every Saturday, there's got to be some controversy or whatever. Don't get it. Don't get the humour. There's plenty of American shows I don't get. But, I just don't find it funny. And some of them I absolutely love, but I get it with this. This It's just the awkward ridiculousness of The Office. It's just something that's so British. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, it's, it, it is awesome. And, um, I mean, then we get to see a little bit what we saw in the last episode, don't we, where David's doing his little bit of fame. You know, he's out there. He's giving out T-shirts at the nightclub in his uh, uh funky type of shirt there but you can see it's quite a it's quite a sad existence really isn't it he's talking it up like he's this massive kind of rock star but it's just no one's got respect for him i'm not even sure his agent even <laughs> likes him and you know he just ends up getting pissed on uh, little miniatures out the mini bar in his uh, yeah. premier inn and I love that when he, he the referencing Bruno Brooks because the guy's almost got Stephen Merchant type accent, his agent, and then he's like, you know, parking and Parkinson, that guy, and he's like, ooh, and John McCarthy, <laughs> oh, well, he need chain to a radiator. The fucking <laughs> fucking hell! But it's just it is the things like say he gets pissed, he's he's there, and it's that sad sort of lonely life, you know, and 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 I think. In this episode, we don't get the behind-the-camera chat as much, do we? You know, so we yeah, get a couple yeah. of little bits. Towards the end, we do, but there isn't a lot of it. But again, Stephen Merchant's dad's there when they're setting up the office, aren't they, for the party? <laughs> and he looks at the camera again, doesn't he? And just, like, yeah. looks at him and walks off. He's like the janitor. But I, I love, and I've seen the outtake of it so many times when he comes in and he's like, no, I'm coming home. Better, better get it. He goes, Shamon, <laughs> fucking Tim's there. But if you watch the outtakes, it takes him ages, doesn't it? Because he just keeps, he didn't know he was going to do it the first time. He just ad-libbed it, didn't he? And the whole, the whole scene had to keep being done. I just love it, honestly. <laughs> I think Ricky Gervais's uh, general directorial style is... If he fucks up a scene, it's fucking hilarious. If someone else does it, they, <laughs> they're fucking yeah. banged out of order, especially if they don't make him laugh. But, um, yeah, you can imagine just... It must be hard to just do scene after scene when he just keeps fucking, uh, you know, oh. acting the prat like. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's awesome. But, um. yeah, we're, we're getting into the party then, aren't we? So, again, it's all there in the offices of Wernham Hogg. And we get to see Finchie, so he's not really been in the Christmas specials too much, has he? But, uh, he, he, you know, he's on form, uh, the form being he's an absolute dick <laughs> in this one as well. Yeah, and, and just before that, one of the bit I thought was quite poignant was when Gareth says non-employees, ex-employees are not allowed to come to the meal, and he's like, well, does Dawn come? And she's like, no. And he went, oh, and he went, I've got three hours here. And what's weird 
and I love it, is the fact that they all go and Dave is just walking around the office and he just goes to the photocopier oh, and lifts it up. Yeah, it's it's yeah, quite yeah. a sweet moment. It's sort of like, because he's already said when he was pissed on them, the Bell's Whiskey uh, miniatures, like, you know, I know Neil's going to fuck up and they're going to get me back and I'll be like, yeah, but it's going to cost you, you know. And so he still, he's, he still wants to come back and I just love that bit. And then it just quickly pans to... Bedlam, there's a proper swinging party in there and then Finchy starts having a go at that guy in the middle, Dunny goes, what do you call two, what's in between two balls? What does he say? Balls or whatever he says. And he said, and that guy's, and then Dave's like, oh, keep them coming if you're going to do that. And there's that little bit of banter we see from the first series. So yeah, these these all little nods, I think, because the, the characters have progressed and grown, progressed, progressed and grown <laughs> and, and evolved slightly, but you've still got that little thing to sort of go, oh, I, yeah, I, I get it. That That's what, what got them to the table because I don't like Finchie. From the first series, I thought he was great, but as he goes on and the little bits we see from the first se- after the first series, I think he's quite an unlikable character, to be honest. Oh, and that's what, the whole what point. What do you like about him? He's a fucking no, dick, right? From no, the start. I said an unlikable character. Unlike, oh, right, no, I just right. think, I think in the no, no, in the in the first series, you can get away with his sort of brash salesman, ban, you know, panter and uh, patter, and he's trying to panter day. That's the new one, patter, and he's trying to you know get the birds in chasers and all this stuff, you know, and all that. The, the you know guts in uh, nuts in nuts in nuts in guts and all that stuff, you know, all that stuff is completely inappropriate, but it's done not as sinister and I feel later on he just gets more sinister and more crass and that's that's the whole point of his character I think I mean he delivers it perfectly doesn't he but I think he's a dick right from the start to be honest now I will give him a slight pass for laying up one of my favourite moments for the first series and what? Who's? What's the name of the Cuban leader? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, someone put that on the other day on one of the the, the office thing, and it was fucking there when it Fidel Castro, <laughs> and he was with uh, the fucking someone else, and he went, "This is fucking don't know whoever it was Frey like Bentos. fucking." This is Frey Bentos and the Pope or something like that. It was. It was fucking brilliant. Oh, Dave, absolutely excellent. But you're right, and I think. I think as it comes on, they're still teasing him about this girl. And Dave, I tell you what, this this next bit comes right back to your date because this big girl comes to the door and David's there <laughs> and he fucking says something and she went, no. And he went, oh, fuck, I thought you were my fucking my date. And <laughs> I she, was worried oh, it was you. My. I thought it was you. And he looks at the camera and goes, oh, shit. And he doesn't say anything. He's just looking at the camera like, how the fuck am I going to get out of this after? thought that was as good as the for fuck's sake moment at the start. I was crying at this point, absolutely <laughs> crying. Now, I, I I like it, but I don't think it's... I don't think it lands quite as perfectly as the other one. Just because the, the perfect thing about the other scene was just the timing, just how excited he was. And he's describing the lady in a white siphon sh- scarf and he turns around to see her and just instantly turns back to the camera with an involuntary oh for fuck's sake you know so whereas this later scene you know you can see it coming a mile off can't you you can see because she's coming in there David's waiting for his blind date there's a postage stamp on this one now to be fair it's still it's still funny because he's like, oh, thank God, I, th- I thought it was you. Um, 
so it's still you know tremendously awkward but um no for me it's the it's the other bit it's just perfect timing he scored in it though. He is good. Yeah, that's fair. I, I get that. I understand that. I just thought there's that ridiculousness. And then Carol turns up, his date, who's rather attractive, comes in. Neil's got a face like Thunder and Finchy. Brings him, but there's a little line he says, and she says about drinking. She went, Yeah, I'll have a I'll have a bottle of vodka, a litre of vodka. And he went, Oh fuck's sake, I thought she's they sent me an alky. And it just little <laughs> lines like that. But then it's like he's chatting to her dead close. He's just talking about himself, and but she's lapping it up. She's like, he's like, yeah, I'm a singer, I'm a player. Yeah, I'm really good, big time. Yeah, yeah. He goes, I did a no woman, no cry to the officer, an impromptu gig, and uh, Oliver, who's the uh, the office black guy, thought he was brilliant, and he should know. And I'm sat there like, holy oh, shit, you know, like <laughs> fucking hell again. Sort of inherent racism, just completely, you know, and that's the whole point of the dialogue of the the way they present it. You know, someone's just not aware of what he's actually saying. But then you get a little bit of awkward with Gareth, and then it's when Thingy Jay's dad off the in between. Is oh, he obviously God. got? He obviously got this that role from playing this character in the office because he is the same guy. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we didn't have some sort of universe where that's actually Jay Cartwright's yeah. dad, really. Because unbelievable. <laughs> He's exactly the same. He, I can't think. Christopher Reeve was less typecast than this bloke. He's just <laughs> exactly the same. But, you know, this is where he could use his powers for good, wasn't it? Because Anne is yeah. there. And I actually ended up feeling a bit sorry for Anne because the way he spoke to her was fucking bang out of order. But then you're like, yeah, but she's a bit of a dick as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Pretending that a child's terminally ill to skip the line because she can't be asked to uh, queue up for 40 minutes despite the fact she's in fucking Disneyland Paris. But um, what did he say? It was something like, look, just because you've allowed someone to blow his beans up you. Yeah. <laughs> and she storms fucking off. Hell. And it's you get fucking... that awkward fucking Tim and Dawn thing where they're looking at each other and then uh, obviously they, uh, you know, have a bit of a laugh about it as well. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And you know one thing I noticed, Dave, the little love triangle, that doesn't, we don't get anything to do with it. You know, it's all in the background. The girl from accountants, the Wells mm. girl, you know, and he's snogging her. And, and you can see that the little Mika Mile one, you saw it in the last year, she actually likes him. She's crying and the, some of the consoling. But we don't get any dialogue. It's a background little story that isn't, it isn't front and centre. It's not to, to, to anything's going to be said about it. Dave is not going to involve it, but it's all these little things that I find the right, they're not just there in the background, they've got their own little stories going on. And I think that's so brilliantly done. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the things, wasn't it? They wanted these people in the background to be actual actors, not just extras. And yeah. it just adds that extra layer of uh, depth to it, doesn't it all? So, yeah, you, you kind of want to know a little bit more about these characters as well. Yeah, you do. And then we get Dawn behind reception. She's chatting to Justine and that, but then Lee comes over and they're winding Gareth off and he's like, you know, they're just taking the piss, don't you, mate? You know, and he, and he ruins the whole kill joy, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I always say he's the baddie, him and Finch, but he is the mm. baddie for me. And, and he's so controlling with Dawn. Come on, let's go. And she's like, well, what about the secret Santa? Oh, you'll get over it. Come on. 
And and what I love, Dave, obviously we'd seen where he drew the picture. She drew the picture of Tim earlier on to yeah, Ivan. Yeah. And and he puts on it and Anne's like, think your nose, your nose is bigger than that in real life, sort <laughs> of thing. You know, and I, I can relate to that, obviously. But yeah. I love the fact that he then goes and gets a secret Santa and they're in the, the taxi coming home. Lee's in the front, mm. pissed up because he's been with all these warehouse knobheads, you know, Jay's dad and that. And I, I'll be honest with you, Dave, got a bit emotional me too it. Yeah, yeah yeah me it, too a couple of tears mate because i just thought you know what if you were ever gonna do it this is the time to go back to tim and tim's fobbing it off and you're like yeah i'm always gonna be here but you know that's it it's thing and he all the way through we get him this subtext of uh like you know I, I'll, I'll never do it i'll never ask her again but if she asks me you know and all mm. this and, and he's saying it i was a i'm a sucker for a love story Dave. i love chick flicks these days i'm absolutely loving you know so it got me completely yeah totally got me as well and and again with david talking about uh all talking to his blind date and she's really kind of hanging on his every word they're having some good back and forth chat there i think it's key that she hadn't ever seen the office (laughs) she'd never seen the series and so she seemed to be getting on with him quite well that was the turning point really I, i felt in the whole tone of it and you know, because even though when Tim and Dawn, you can see the chemistries instantly straight back in there, you're still thinking, well, we've seen this before. And when she opens the, the Secret Santa, it's the paints and with the message, never give up. Oh, it's making me a bit emotional now, Chris. It I'm got me at the say, time, but I'm me, just getting, sort of thinking about it. It's like, Oh, ridiculous, you've got it? to do it. You've got to do it. But yeah. then even that, I mean, it, it got me emotional at that bit. But Christ almighty, when she actually turns up and she's right there. Wow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful, isn't it? Yeah. There's there's few things that, that you know, I mean, this is a little like rom-com trope, isn't it? So, you know, we're fucking middle-aged blokes. We should not be crying over this shit, but um, no, it it was a really sweet moment. You got you got me then, Dave. I'll be honest with you. It's not like me to be like that, but I I really just describing it and thinking back. To, I love stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Lee's got no faith in her. He's a, he treats her like a doormat. Brilliantly acted by the guy who plays Lee. I've got to say because he's just so unlikable, and you're mm. like, Dawn, you're worth so much more. Gareth said stuff about her being a shit. You know, illustrator. When David found out in the, the second series, he put her down. You know what I mean? Like, keep you know, they the really doodling. yeah. Keep up the doodling. You know, you have a job as a receptionist for life here or whatever. You know, it's like so. So when that happened, I'm with you. That for me, that's one of the most powerful moments in TV I've seen in years. There's a few bits in Fools and Horses that get me, Dave. Always get me. There's a few bits that I can watch the scenes over and over, and I'm a blubbering mess. And I was a mess. Mm. And what I loved after this was when David was smiling because Carol just just into him and I, and I love the fact that he, he takes her he takes her to the, the taxi and she kisses him he goes to shake her hand and she kisses him mm. she's like phone me Dave gone then completely yeah. I was gone and when he comes back in and Finchie says something about bringing his dog in and I love the fact that he didn't call him Finchie he just went Chris why don't you fuck off? And I swear oh, to God, Dave, so I was good. fist pumping the yeah. air. I oh, was fist too. pumping the air. <laughs> <laughs> I had gone at this point. I was so in, it, not in love, but I was so in, 
towards David, Tim, even Gareth. Just and then it's the fact that when he, that happens, you've got the three amigos together. You got David, yeah. Tim, and Gareth who start yeah, the series yeah. together, and then Dawn comes in. Dave, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about. I was all in at this point. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh. Thank you very much. It's all right. Definitely. <laughs> For a beach holiday, I mean, it's perfect. Uh, long flight, but we get the weeks. weather. Two, two weeks, oh. um, Grand Beach, yeah, I mean, the same time we So, look at your details. Well done, I was going to say to you. Leeds are doing well. What? Lucky. Well, they in the league, they do. What are they? What are you talking about? You don't know about football. <laughs> Guilty, I support Reading. <laughs> no, you don't support them. When did but, you last go to a match? Nah, I support football more than them. Yeah, well, I'm more of a rugby man, I don't Admit it, admit it. So, um, no dog with you today, David. Oh, do you not see it? She just left. <laughs> Chris, yeah. why don't you fuck off? And like I say, it almost turns on the halfway point in the episode. You get David, he's absolutely, you know, really enjoying his time with his new date. Seems to be going really well. This will they, won't they with Tim and Dawn, you know, they finally, you know, or Dawn finally takes a chance on Tim. And after all the fucking belittling, that Finchie's given David over the last, uh, you know, the last two seasons and a bit, he just tells him to fuck off. And, oh, it was so good. It was basically, for me, Chris, the perfect way to finish this whole series off. Without a doubt. I love the fact, you, like I say, he called him Chris when he said it. I fucking... Yeah. And then him and, and Neil, Neil were like, Neil Shit. was there as well, wasn't he? You yes. Know, it's like, yeah. 
it's a different David. You know, he's not trying to have a laugh and a joke. He's being serious, and he fucking there was meaning, and uh, you know, gusto in that. Fuck off! Such a brilliant phrase, it. isn't it? I love it. And then when they've got the, <laughs> I do. It is. It's brilliant. And I think then he he talks about like the, the philosopher bit, and he gets them together. I was I was gone then. I was a complete mess watching it. And then it's when he does the picture. I want oh, to get the gang, the real yeah, yeah. gang back together. And then he actually does a joke. He does Frank Spencer, that hits. But then in typical David Fash, he goes, you know it's Frank Spencer, don't you? And then it goes off. It's like, <laughs> he's still, it's the first time he's actually made everyone laugh and everyone was loving it. And he yeah. still has to do that little bit and he went off. And honestly, I sat there, Dave, I'll be honest again. And I was literally, I was literally clapping the screen going, what the fuck are we going to do now? Because I yeah. was just a mess. Love it. It was so perfect, and and I noticed the same thing as well. Like you say, when he does the old, uh, what is it? He says something like, um, "Betty, oh, I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble yeah. myself," you know. And yeah, everyone, yeah. like you say, normally that would be the cue for everyone to awkwardly, silently look at each other. But no, everyone's all happy. It's Christmas. They're all having a laugh, and David's in his element, and it's just so perfect, Chris. It is, mate. And what what a journey for us to go through this. Like, I absolutely loved it. And I I didn't think I was going to get emotional watching it, but the last 10 minutes, fucking hell, Dave. It was like watching a proper chick flick. You know, when you get involved in something and you're like, oh, my God, I don't believe it. (laughs) What? I said, oh, sexist. <laughs> no, but you get involved in it, don't you? Like, I love, I love chick flick. We watched last Christmas over the weekend. I seen it at the cinema when it first came out. It's got the subtext. Everything is George Michael's music. It's, it's Amelia Clark, who's so pretty, and I just love that film. And we watched it again. It's on Netflix now. I mean, Sam, and we'd seen it, and I forgot how the ending goes. Don Dave at the end completely. Mm. I was like, oh, they, and I love films like that. Now I don't know what it is if you. If if someone's not getting the head stoved in, it, and I'll always say to Sam, let's have a look at what the best chick flicks have been this year, and I'll go and search some out. Sometimes they're not good, but then other times there's some crackers, and I'll just sit there and look because I know that there's going to be a payoff, but a happy ending. And you know what I mean, Dave? I'm a hopeless romantic a in my old ending. age. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, Dave. <laughs> It's never extra, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I always forget what's the one with the Hemsworth brother. Um, and, oh, and um, oh, but uh, Dakota, not Dakota thing. What's she called? Uh, the Aussie girl. Yeah. It's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Oh, it's a yeah, great. And she film. sort of wakes up in a rom com world, and it's got yeah. all like songs by Whitney Houston and uh, all the perfect kind of uh, rom com uh, music. It's it's fantastic. Rebel Wilson. Rebel, Rebel Wilson, Wilson. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, a great I love film. that one. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. So, Dave, I don't know about you. Whether we can say what's the what is your favourite bit of this episode? Then, you know what? I, I for pure comedy, and and I must have seen this meme, you know, and certainly just generally on social media, but certainly me sending <laughs> me and you sending back to each other. If it's not the first season. You know, if it's not the the fingers, if it's not get their attention, um, somehow the main first two series, if it's something out of the Christmas specials, it's always the white chiffon scarf, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, especially, and I was wobbling a bit toward the end there, and I could feel you were as well. For favourite moment, so not funniest moment, 
I'm going to go with Dawn just appearing back in the office. You know what? Mine's re- relating to that. It's when she opened the present. Yeah. You know, never give up. We should have, like, prepared and then, you know, <laughs> done it in chronological order. So in chronological order. No, it but... Then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, she opens it and then yours is, yeah. Then, but, but, no, that bit for me, because yeah. that was like, if you ever wanted to change your life, this is the moment. And I think, look, in real life, the fact that she just dumps a boyfriend pissed up, it, it's sort of like, and then gets off with another guy. But we know the backstory. Oh, in Lee real life, he's coming in and beating the shit out of uh, yes. him. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's coming in all guns blazing. We don't see any of that. That's that's the uh, X-rated episodes we never saw. But for just finishing it with a lovely bow on the end, then it's not too cheesy. It's not one of them ones where. What I would say with this, Dave, and and it ruined these so many shows, and you're probably the same that have been ruined by shit endings where they have to finish it. Yeah, because it's yeah. the end of the line. The American shows are the worst. They cut them and go, right, this is the sixth series when we, and they haven't even explored half the characters, but we're going to finish it. And you'll just, I don't watch a lot of the American series for that reason, because I pretty much know that one or two series in, they're going to cancel it. And you're like, and they don't even finish it off. They just do it horrendous and just, but that's it. The, the second series, it's finished, done. But with this, I think this has got to be one of the best endings in any show I've watched. I know I'm yeah. biased. I know that's one of my favourite, but... I think we get the ending we deserve, to be honest. Yeah, look, if it was announced tomorrow that there was going to be a new office season, we'd both be on it like a fucking, uh, you know, like I don't know what, like something yeah. very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Proper David Brent there, wasn't it? Um, but, but I think the fact that it is so condensed... It's so crammed full of these great moments. They didn't try and string it out. You're absolutely right. With some of the series, they can either stretch it out too long, you know, just keep it going when it should have finished ages ago, um, or cancel it. You know, those are two of the scenarios. There's very few seasons, you know, or series that, you know, you think, right, it's finished, and that was just right. That was just perfect. And like I say, even though I'd watch a third season... Christ, if there were 10 seasons, I'd watch him. I think the yeah. fact that, you know, it is so short, the fact that you've gone through this genuine arc, if you think back to episode one where David's been an absolute dick, you know, he's that proper sleazy boss, you know, wake, going on about waking up at the crack of dawn, whatever, <laughs> you know, he's been made redundant, he comes back and we get this happy ending. It's just perfect, Chris. Yeah, it is, Dave. It really is. And and I, honestly, mate, I've loved doing every single episode of this. And I know we've not done it every single week because there's not many episodes. We just wanted to do it at our own pace as and when, you know, we wanted to jump on. We had to do the Christmas special around this time. We promised everyone who's listened to us over the first two series and it's been amazing. And we will do life on the road, won't we, Dave, in the new year? But it's just, we've got to put the full stop on it and I've absolutely adored it, mate. I can't thank you enough for letting us do with this as a passion project for both of us. No, it's been brilliant. I, though I will say, because there's a Christmas song in there, <laughs> we might have to accelerate a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah, definitely. And big thank you to everyone who's supporting us and has supported us in the past on social media. If you want to follow us on social media, at Back to the Off on Twitter. If you want to email us, back to the office podcast at gmail.com. 
please drop us a review on your podcast catching app because we are up there in the charts, Dave. I've looked that we are about number three or four in the charts when you put The Office and there's a hell of a lot of great podcasts out there. So we're just humble to be amongst all you great people who listen to these podcasts and obviously any of our fellow podcasters listen to us as well. We're just two friends talking about it and they'll be there forever, Dave, won't they? Because it's just one of these things we're going to put them up. They're not like our other podcast, The VHS Strikes Back, Comics in Motion, CD Reality Cast. They are ongoing podcast where we've, we have content going out literally every week and, and even with the reality stuff two or three times a week and when Love Island's on every day uh, but that's another <laughs> story so that's probably why we have we don't do this every week for the office but it is one of them things that this will just be there as a capturing time for me and you for just us to go back Dave not being narcissist but just to talk about and listen to our favourite show and what we think and as you get older you'll probably watch it with a different view and go, oh God, I can't believe I said that. I don't think that now and all that. So mm. so it's interesting because the one dynamic I've got out of all this is I don't really like Finch and Neil and I loved them when I first watched it. The, the, mm. Towards the end, I was like, I don't care. David's the hero for me, whatever you think of him. So yeah, it's been a real good journey. Yeah, I definitely think David is a lot more endearing than I, I think I, I felt in the first, uh, you know, few hundred watch throughs or or like you say when <laughs> yeah. i was younger I, I guess it's maybe now being that uh more seasoned professional chris <laughs> yeah. you sort of thinking oh shit like you know i'm him mourning the loss of youth <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so anyway, no, it has been absolutely brilliant, mate. Like you say, we'll be back for uh, Life on the Road. And then, yeah, catch us on some of the other podcasts that Chris has uh, has mentioned before there. Good stuff, guys. Awesome. Now, uh, have you got anything to finish us off with, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, I'm going to quote a philosopher. And he actually says, I want to be remembered as a man who put a smile on the face of all he met. Mr. David Brendave, 2003. Awesome. And forwarded by Duncan Goodhue. <laughs> Bruno Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. I'll speak to you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.